Hello, my name's Florence. Welcome to the OBS pod. I'm an NHS obstetrician, hoping to share some thoughts and experiences about my working life. Perhaps you enjoy Call the Midwife, maybe birth fascinates you, or you're simply curious about what exactly an obstetrician is. You might be pregnant and preparing for birth. Perhaps you work in maternity and want to know what makes your obstetric colleagues tick, or you want some fresh ideas and inspiration. Whichever of these is the case, and for that matter, anyone else that's interested, the OBSPOD is for you. Episode 52 Maternity Notes Today, I'm going to take a look at maternity notes. Sometimes these are called handheld notes. This might be a folder around A4 size with all sorts of personal details and information about the care we're providing, information for pregnant women about what's going to happen to them, what appointments they might expect, and also medical information about that woman. It will include test results and the progress of the pregnancy and then the birth. Originally, this might have been a single handheld card. I've certainly seen women of my mother's generation, their notes, and that was a single card with a very brief record of each appointment. These days, it's expanded to a mega big folder and it's expanded greatly even during the duration of my own career. Ultimately, these notes are part of the medical record. And in that way, in some aspects, maternity is ahead of the curve. So some specialties are now providing access to medical records to their patients, either online, via portals such as patient access, via the GP, perhaps limited information, or through more sophisticated methods. But unlike most specialties that are just starting this journey, women have been able to access and read their notes and information written about them for many, many years. Women carrying the notes is practical. Then they go wherever that woman goes. She can take them away if she's going away. She can take them with her if she moves. She can access healthcare wherever she is and those professionals will have the right information about her. But sometimes women holding the notes, having the notes at home can lead to confusion. Who do the notes belong to? What's the purpose of the notes? And that's some of what I'm going to discuss today. The notes are part of the medical record and as such, belong to the hospital. That may seem strange. Many women will perceive the notes as theirs and then may feel somewhat bereft. Their record of pregnancy is taken away from them and then they have to apply for information or copies and even pay a fee for documentation that's about them. That feels odd. They will have carried their notes their entire pregnancy 
And then when they've had their baby, they may leave the hospital with a single sheet of paper. That calls into question, how can something that is about an individual belong to somebody else? Why would the notes belong to the hospital rather than the individual that they're referring to? The fact is, as health professionals, we're not being difficult. There's enormous number of legal issues that apply to medical records, their storage and retention. And maternity is, in fact, a very specific case. We have to retain records for significantly longer than other specialties. If you look at the rules and regulations about medical record keeping and retention, for many specialties, the minimum length of duration that the records need to be retained for is eight years. For maternity, however, the minimum is 25 years. And this is in part because the pregnancy record is in fact part of the record of any resulting child. Strangely, this means that the very first obstetric notes that I wrote back in 1994 will have only recently reached a point at which they no longer have to be retained. It's no wonder, therefore, that there's a large guidance document detailing how to safely and securely store records and notes, review them and destroy them then if appropriate. There's a somewhat archaic system that means when a woman applies for copies of her notes, one of the initial steps is that I, as her consultant, have to sign off and give my agreement. I find this very bizarre. There's a tight time frame, so notes will land on my desk from medical records with a sheet of paper that I have to sign with a very specific date deadline for my signature. Sometimes through curiosity, I leaf through the notes as I sign and wonder, why does this woman want them? And why now? Sometimes it can be really obvious she's probably pregnant again. Or I know there's a legal issue. But sometimes I'm totally baffled. Quite a significant number of years may have passed and she's applied. And often I've never even met her. It's just I'm nominally her consultant, the name on the front of the notes. When we're working... We're aware that any action could have 25 years to come back to haunt us. It's not something that happens very often, of course, but it's just something that can nag away at the back of your mind every now and again. You'd think most cases of litigation in maternity would be obvious. You'd really remember the case. You totally know that something had gone wrong or that there was a bad outcome. But every now and again, something random pops up years later from left field, as it were, and takes you back, takes you by surprise. One of the first lessons we learn when we're learning about medical records is that everything must be written with black ink for medico-legal purposes. So from the very beginning, we're told we must write clearly and legibly in black ink so that our notes can be photocopied in case of any future legal case. We are taught to meticulously document. We're taught that documentation in the record is essential. 
Before the advent of electronic prescribing, each time we started at a hospital, started a new job, we had to provide the pharmacy with a specimen of our signature. Over time, as I rotated, my signature became shorter and shorter, more and more efficient, more and more speedy. Obstetrics is such a fast-paced specialty. We have to time, date, sign and print our names to every entry. We have to document in detail every review, every conversation, every interaction, every decision. And it can be no wonder that sometimes women feel that we're more obsessed with the notes and the documentation of what's happening than we are with looking after her. The need for contemporaneous notes means that one of the jobs we allocate in any emergency is a scribe to write down who is doing what, when, as we do it, so that we have clarity when we come to write things up afterwards or need to investigate what happened. We can write notes up afterwards, but then we have to clearly mark that they're written in retrospect. As documentation of something after the event, perhaps hours later, could be less accurate. We might write in retrospect because things were so busy, we had to move straight on to another woman, to another birth. Perhaps we had to run off to theatre, or perhaps the emergency buzzer went. Sometimes on a busy shift, things can become a bit of a blur. You may have done several operations or several assisted vaginal births and then need to write down what you've done. When you're tired, it can kind of blur into one. And I sometimes come in to find the outgoing registrar finishing their notes and fact-checking with the individual midwives so they make sure they write the correct information in the correct women's notes. Sometimes when I look back at notes to talk to a woman either in a future pregnancy or in postnatal appointment, I can find they're blank. Nothing's been written at all. And that can happen scarily often. This isn't because we don't mean to complete the notes. It's happened inadvertently. Perhaps the woman was moved off to the postnatal ward because we needed a labour room urgently for another woman. Or maybe the paediatricians had taken the notes off to the neonatal unit if the baby's been admitted to gain the information relevant to that baby. So at that moment when we had time to sit down, document, the notes simply were not physically there. And then we get busy and distracted and we forget. Antenatal notes are getting larger and more cumbersome. During the course of my career, they've gone from being quite small to being a large A4 wallet. Even during the course of my time as a consultant, we've gone from a fairly slimline A4 folder to a large file. There are more and more tick boxes and checklists for us to complete. And the idea is that that will make us better at our jobs. That will give us good documentation that we've given a woman a good standard of quality information. So the ethos is correct to try and ensure we're providing a consistent standard of quality, of care, choices and information. But it can simply mean more and more forms and paperwork, which are then incompletely filled out. 
We expect women to carry them around, remember them, bring them to appointments and trust us with them. But then if a woman has the audacity to write in her own notes, we can be shocked and aghast, which is somewhat weird. It does happen on occasion. A woman will take up a pen, cross something out, write something in, correct some information that, let's face it, is about her. And the response from us as healthcare professionals can be extraordinary. Sometimes the telltale sign can be, she's done it in blue ink. And that immediately makes us realise. Sometimes it's less obvious. And I can overhear midwives or doctors in the clinic going, who's written that? There's no signature. We can forget that the women are carrying around something where we've written all about them. Why shouldn't they write in their notes? After all, they're their notes. But then we come back to the fact it's a medical record and that confusion. Talking to pregnant women and new parents as part of the maternity experience work I've done, we did aspire to do something more collaborative at my hospital. We produced a more personalised cover where a woman could include a photo and write something about themselves so we could get to know them a bit more as a person, a so-called one-page profile, which I've included some information on in the programme notes. But despite having done that, sadly, it was extremely rare for women to fill it in. I don't really understand why. Why didn't women feel it was inviting? We had developed it with women. Was it clear enough that we were wanting to know more about them? Or did they regard the record as ours and not anything to do with them? It didn't achieve what we'd hoped, but I can't help but feel that there's still some room there for us to do something. Then we come to the infuriating situation that there's no national standard set of notes. Each hospital has its own style and its own format. And it's not that surprising that there's no agreement because making any changes to the notes requires an unbelievable amount of upheaval. So many people are so invested in how they're used and how they work. Lots of us, because we have to use them day to day and we want the bits we use to be easy to find, easy to complete and to flow in an intelligible way. Then there are people that need to collect data for quality improvement or audit purposes They need to make sure all that information is there so that when they audit and demonstrate that we're meeting that standard, it's easy for them to collect the data. Then there's information for women. We need to demonstrate that we've provided all sorts of information for women. Put it in the notes. That's obviously the solution. Except again, is it? Because I have lots of women asking me for information. And when I say it's in the notes and turn to the pages They're surprised. They hadn't thought to open them and read them, even though the edge of the page is clearly identified as pregnancy information. So there are lots of people who have lots of things to say about notes. 
The confusion about different formats can mean that a woman who's moved during pregnancy will arrive with multiple sets of notes. These will be in an unfamiliar order, leaving us thumbing through pages and pages to try and access the relevant information we need to look after her. It can also cause difficulty when we try and access notes from a previous pregnancy, if her previous babies were not born at the same hospital that we're at. Given that all the different electronic information systems don't talk to each other, we end up writing to surrounding trusts for copies of notes of a previous pregnancy. We might receive reams and reams, photocopied sheets with the single page you actually want missing or blank. Or you may receive very scanty information or sometimes you can receive an encrypted CD of digital notes which makes it difficult to access. Maybe the computer you're using in clinic has a CD-ROM and you can manage to get it to load and read it with the woman but you might not. You might not actually have that equipment. The Perinatal Institute in the Midlands have made attempts to produce a national set of notes with variable success and various degrees of adoption. But they're not perfect. We certainly tried them in my trust and moved away from them and redesigned our own. One of the actions from the National Maternity Review in 2016 was to produce a standard electronic set of maternity notes to alleviate some of these problems. And there has been much positive progress on this front, but we're still some way off from achieving this goal. And some of the women who are piloting these digital records, again, when they transfer hospitals, there's a massive problem. We can't access things and they arrive with a baffling printout of page after page of superfluous information. Now for the zesty bit. As I make this recording, I can't help but think, isn't it time we relinquished control of the notes, or at very least had two sets or two versions, one for the hospital and one for the woman, or a more collaborative version? At minimum, shouldn't we be giving a clear summary to the woman that she can keep so she can go through things in another pregnancy or at another time if she wants to? Sometimes when I've done a particularly complex piece of surgery or the woman's previous pregnancy notes have been missing, I've actually photocopied and given her a copy of her operation note for her to keep because I know the person most likely to keep that safe will be the woman herself. We could definitely do more of this, I think. I once attended an information governance talk about medical records and the impression it made on me was the idea of treating the notes with the same respect as you would treat a person's body. That information, that set of notes, is synonymous with that person. So... When you're completing the notes, make sure that you write clear information. Think about what information you would want to be able to access in the future if you were looking after that woman again. Or if you were that woman, what you would like to see written in your notes. Don't write jargon. Write clear, intelligible facts. 
If you're asked for a copy of the notes, make sure you respond promptly and that someone with some knowledge identifies which are the key pages to copy and send or make an intelligible summary of the key issues you would want to have if you were looking after that woman again or if you wanted that woman to understand what had happened to her during her birth. As a pregnant woman or new parent, don't be afraid to ask for copies of your notes or make copies of what you want as you go along. Know that the notes will be, at the end of pregnancy, returned to the hospital and will not be yours. So make sure that you remove what you need, whether that be scan photos or taking photos of information you particularly would like to have. And don't be frightened to clarify or document what you feel is needed, either by writing in the record and talking to your midwife or doctor about it, or by adding your own additional pages of information so that we can better understand you and who you are as a person and what's important to you. I've enclosed some information in the programme notes about how to access your medical records and also about the Digital Maternity Records programme so you can find out a bit more information. And I've also included some information on one-page profiles in case you're interested in how you might make the notes more personable. I do hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of The OBS Pod. Feel free to contact me on Twitter at FWMaternity or at The OBS Pod to ask me questions, give me topics for future episodes or let me know what you think. It's absolutely fantastic when you get in touch. I really enjoy reading your comments. As usual, I've tried to include in the programme notes some extra reading about this particular topic, both for professionals working in maternity care and for pregnant women using services. I'd like to reassure you that although I'm talking about my experiences working in maternity care, I take confidentiality very seriously and do not give any personal information about any of my patients. If you've enjoyed listening, I'd love you to recommend the OBSPOD to friends or colleagues and please do leave me a review on whichever podcast directory you find my episodes. Many thanks for listening.